I'm Christina Michelle, inviting you to join me for Culture Rich Conversations, an ongoing feature of Juno Afternoon. We're starting season four with a candid conversation about Juneteenth and the 4th of July. From the history of these holidays to what they mean to the Black community today, my guests will share their own personal experiences and opinions regarding both. I am happy to welcome Mr. Ed Wesley, Miss Mahogany Magnetic, and Miss Nye McGee. I can't wait to get started with this discussion. From KTOO in Juno, this is Culture Rich Conversations. Culture Rich Conversations is made possible by a grant from the Social Justice Fund Grant Program of the Alaska Community Foundation. Culture Rich Conversations on Juno Afternoon is sponsored in part by Mark Stofa and Sarah Hannon of the Alaska Wild Salmon Company, delivering fresh salmon to Juno homes since 2006. Learn more at goodsalmon.com or 907-321-4997. The Black Awareness Association would like to take a moment to recognize that culture-rich conversations is broadcast from Flinket Ani. We acknowledge those families who made use of this land and waterways for thousands of years and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life. For today and future generations. Gunalshish, thank you. You're listening to Culture Rich. Culture Rich. Welcome to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm your host, Christina Michelle. It is no secret that Black Americans have a complicated relationship with America. And as a result, there are many of us who don't celebrate the 4th of July. Some say it isn't our Independence Day. And in fact, Black Americans were still enslaved for nearly every 4th of July until June 19, 1865, which is the day we now celebrate and call Juneteenth. Before we get into a conversation about all of this, I would love for our listeners to share, I'm sorry, for our guests to share a little bit about themselves, and I'd love to welcome you all to the show. Mr. Wesley, we'll start with you. Welcome, and can you share a little bit with our listeners? In regarding Juneteenth and and the 4th of July? Where you're calling in from and whatever you'd like to share about yourself. Okay, my name is Ed Wesley. I'm currently the chairman of the board of Shallow Community Housing. I'm a retired insurance broker, tax advisor. Been in Alaska for 50 years. 
that's basically what I would like to share. Thank you. We're so glad to have you back and our listeners may uh, recognize your voice and your name. Uh, we've had you on the show a couple times before, uh, most recently with the uh, Anchorage chapter of the NAACP, which was awesome. You guys were here sharing about some of the initiatives you were bringing forward uh, to the legislatures. So we are happy to have you back on the show. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to, to be here because I think it's so important to educate the public about the African-American experience and educating the public. And that not only include African-American, that is everyone because our story was distorted and not told what actually happened. So this is a good show to do that. Absolutely. Okay, and Mahogany, welcome, and can you please introduce yourself? Hey, Christina, my friend, I miss you already. Um, I am MC Mahogany Magnetic, and right now I'm up here in the land of the uh, Dene, up here in uh, AKA Fairbanks, and um Currently, I'm just sitting in my little desk here at the university, uh, University of Fairbanks. I'm currently a PhD student in cultural anthropology, archaeology. And um, yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. It's a good place. I'm just happy to be back in the mix with Ed Wesley. I feel like so like grown now, you know, like <laughs> I've been bopping around, you know, Alaska for, for many years. And just to see Ed Wesley and, you know, this is the I don't know, the umpteenth time we've been on the same platform together. So that's just always appreciative. And I'm happy to meet our friend here from Chicago, right? I think so. I think that's what I heard the other day. And Natasha's wonderful producer. And I'm just like here to support and talk about Juneteenth and the 4th of July. Awesome. Thank you, Mahogany. And you've also been on the show a couple times before. And we're always really, really happy to have you. So thank you for coming back. Uh, thank you. Okay. And Miss Nye McGee, welcome. And if you would please introduce yourself. Yes. Thank you, Christina, for having me back on your show. Nye McGee here calling in from Chicago. I have 20 years experience working in entertainment business um, from serving as an independent producer, director, writer. I've worked in publicity, acquisitions, development, for the past 10 years, or maybe we're inching close to 10 years, I've worked as an entertainment news journalist. So I've interviewed everyone from Oprah to Tyler Perry to Hillary Clinton <laughs> to Denzel, you name it, all your favorite A-listers. And um, I'm happy to be here today to share my thoughts on Juneteenth and the July 4th experience for Black Americans. Awesome. Thank you. And some of our listeners may remember Miss McGee uh, from a few months ago. We did a, I think, a Hot Topics uh, discussion on what was trending in the Black community. And Nye, you were just so hilarious and also just so well-informed. And um, it was awesome to have you. And I'm really glad that you were back with us. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's let's get started with this conversation. I'm really happy to be here talking about this because it's something that I never really considered myself, um, and it seemed to be trending a lot more this year than other years, I think. Um, I don't know why that is, or maybe that's just my perception of it, but 
um, you know, this conversation about celebrating Fourth of July and should Black Americans celebrate the Fourth of July? Um, should we celebrate both the Fourth and Juneteenth? Or, you know, what what are our thoughts around that? And so, um, I I'll just start off with a little bit of history. Most of us are familiar with the 4th of July. It's called America's Independence Day, and it refers to the birth of America's independence from England back in 1776. So I don't know about you guys, but um, that's the only Independence Day that I was taught about in school. Um, And that's what I was brought up to celebrate. And um, so I didn't learn about Juneteenth until later in my adult life. And uh, and then recently it's become a holiday that um, that we all celebrate. And so there's a lot of history there. But let's just start with what your thoughts are on celebrating the 4th of July. So living here in Juneau, we celebrate the 4th with fireworks um, on the evening of the 3rd. And then we have a parade on the morning of the 4th. And that's pretty much it. And I do participate in watching the fireworks. And sometimes I participate in the parade. Um, Black Awareness Association has always made it a point to participate as well. Um, but what are what are your thoughts around this? So um, we'll start with Mahogany. Like, do you celebrate the 4th of July? And if so, how and why? If not, why not? Um. Wow. Okay. Well, it's a loaded question, I, right? <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a, it's a loaded question. Um. And I and I would say just by the fact of just like living in America, growing up in in America, and I was I'm a, I was born in '76, so I'm a bicentennial baby, is what they call us. Um. So yeah, I didn't know. Hmm. I can't say that I didn't I didn't know Juneteenth existed before I knew. 4th of July existed as early as my earliest memories, because I am from uh, Houston, Texas. Uh, my earliest memories are my big mama walking my cousins and I all down to the Juneteenth celebration, you know, and then a few weeks later, we, you know, we was participating um, in the 4th of July. And I think uh, over the years, it's like, wait a second, I don't necessarily celebrate the 4th of July, but I participate in 4th of July events and activities. Um, I mean, definitely it's like from a political politicized standpoint, when I became like 14 and really started studying African, African-American history and culture. Um, but yeah, because like during the, during the time we were, we were enslaved and all the way up until 1865. And if you throw in Jim Crow segregation and uh, all these other atrocities, you would say black people have no business celebrating the 4th of July. But then there's the other side of the coin for me, which is that that culture in terms of living in America and like just every day, every year this comes around. Um, and then when I after my career in the U.S. Coast Guard, I've developed a more of appreciation for it. And that was mainly through my participation in it, like through um, being a member of the um, Post-21 American Legion and participating in, in the 4th of July activities. But eh, it's neither here nor there. Like this year, you know, I think we just sat in the house all day and watched TV. I didn't even mean no barbecue, but I mean, you know, growing up, growing up down south, many for many uh, black folks in America, you know, Fourth of July is just another time for us to get together, you know, and to to celebrate at the height of the summer. And when I don't do fireworks, 
you know, and that's that goes back to that PTSD dealing in, you know, in the military. And, and now, like, I'm concerned about all the dogs that go missing on the 4th of July. So I have to put that out there. Okay. Thank you, Mahogany. <laughs> Do you think that, um, that non-Black people... Uh, participate in Juneteenth, but don't celebrate it, kind of like you said you do with Fourth of July? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great way of, of saying it. You know, mm-hmm. you can participate in it, but not really celebrate it, because, like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. Say, I celebrate, like, Juneteenth. I'm, like, very, very grateful for the Emancipation Proclamation. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful for people like uh, Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, you know, these these abolitionists that got us there to this point and the laws that change. I'm grateful that, uh, you know, this is where it gets problematic for Juneteenth that, you know, it's like two years later after the Emancipation was, was 1863 and we didn't find out in Galveston, Texas until General Granger came in 1865 somewhere during the month during the week of June 19th. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always that. And every time we have these conversations about Juneteenth, but it was two years late. Like, yeah, I get it. But we're still free at this point or as much as we can be. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for making that distinction between the celebrate and the participate. I, I love it. I never thought about it that way. Um, so let's see. Um, Nye, can you talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on Fourth of July? Do you celebrate it? Do you not? How were you raised regarding Fourth, uh, the Fourth of July? Well, for me personally, um, the holiday is always just from from for my family, just been a time for the family, extended family especially, to come together, barbecues, eating, laughing, talking, and reflecting. Right. But as I've gotten older and perhaps more militant in my political views, um, the 4th of July has become more of a reflective time. And for me, you know, in terms of the historical journey of Black Americans and our blood and and, and um, tears <laughs> that has soiled the, the land of this nation for the past 200 plus years. Mm. So, you know, I think about during the time of the De- Declaration of Independence when it was written, you know, obviously we know, but unfortunately we have a generation of kids growing up that don't know this. Slavery was still prevalent, right? Um, many Black Americans were not granted the same freedoms and rights as white Americans. So, you know, back then, so I view the 4th of July as a reminder of a time when my ancestors were not included in the vision of liberty and equality. Um, now, do I celebrate it now as an adult? Again, I don't mind participating in some of the family uh, summertime festivities, the family and friends gatherings and the barbecues, but I don't go crazy with, you know, patriotic displays. I don't do crowds, so you won't catch me at parades. I hate, like, um, my wonderful sister who just spoke before me, Mahogany, I hate fireworks these days. I mean, when, when you remember, listen, I'm Generation X. So let's think about if you were old enough, if you were my generation, think about when you were a child, when firework, fireworks displays were fun. They were lively. They were colorful. Now, to me, they sound like wartime bombs and air raids. Mm. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I, there's nothing fun about 4th of July for me now other than a time to eat. And then, of course, we won't go there, but a lot of our food is just 
not even real and it's GMO. So what are we really eating? We're celebrating and eating fake food, right? <laughs> celebrating <laughs> oppression and eating fake food. But I do recognize that this is also a time um, for many Americans, this holiday serves, you know, to honor the nation's history, culture, our shared values, right? <laughs> it's a day for Americans to reflect on our founding principles. Um, and, and I'll end on this. I know this holiday for many black Americans like myself, it serves as a reminder of the ongoing pursuit of liberty, equality, and justice, whatever that means for us in modern day America for Black people. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nye. I, I don't think I'll ever forget celebrating oppression and eating fake food. <laughs> Gosh. Mr. Wesley, if you can share your thoughts on the 4th of July and how you celebrate it, if you do and if you don't. Yes, uh, I embrace the 4th of July. I embrace the concept. We hold these truths to be self-evidence that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are liberty, life, and pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, government are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the government, I wholeheartedly support that concept. And as Mahogany mentioned, having served in the military has caused me to embrace that even more. In 1681, uh, Black Americans was put into a caste system by Great Britain and gave they gave social dominion over black people to white people in 1681. Well, the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence away from Great Britain, if we didn't have that, we would still be up under Great Britain, with, and they are the one that instituted that system at first. Keep in mind that what individuals do does not necessarily reflect the documents that you are that you have for governing you. Uh, take the Constitution, uh, democracy in America. Everyone does not necessarily promote or exercise the rights, and some abuse those rights. But the concept and er the concept of 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 the of, of the Declaration of Independence, yes, I, I definitely uh, support that. And also keep in mind, all Black Americans were not slaves. A great majority were, but not all mm. were slaves. We must keep that in mind, and. <laughs> There's a few even had some slaves. Wow, I I love that. I'm just making notes here and I saw Mahogany was giving the the snaps <laughs> to all black Americans were not slaves. That's absolutely correct. Thank you. And I should that. say enslaved. I should say enslaved, not <laughs> not slave. <laughs> enslaved. <laughs> 
Well, thank you. If you're just joining us, I'm Christina Michelle, and my guests here are Edward Wesley and Mahogany Magnetic and Nye McGee. And we're having a conversation about Juneteenth and the 4th of July and what the Black community thinks about celebrating one, the other, or both. So can you guys just talk a little bit about um, what you think the 4th of July as a whole means to uh, to Black America in general? I mean, we just talked a little bit about what it means to you personally, but do you have any thoughts on um, what it means to us as uh, as a collective? I, I do. Okay, Mr. Wesley? Uh, education is very important. And the reason some individuals uh, celebrate but not necessarily take the time to read the meanings or the preamble to these documents to know what their intent was. We, that's why I said it's so important to have shows like this, to educate the public so that they can understand that when we are celebrating the Declaration of Independence, we're not celebrating individuals. We're talking about the concepts of the document and what that means. And everybody don't necessarily mm -hmm. live, live according to the documents or constitutions. That's the same as it is today. You have individuals that don't want to follow the Constitution. Yeah, I... I got, I'm gonna push back on that one real quick because I wanna 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 make sure that we keep we talking about historical documents and we talk about laws, constitution, the whole nine. But in this conversation, we can definitely state that 1787 was when the Virginia Compromise, the Three Fifths Compromise, came about, and which said that every like three uh, African people or to three African people were the worst, like five cattle or vice versa, something like that. And that was in the law for, for, a, for a long time. Also, how complicated this is, because just as much as the laws that uh, in, enslaved us, that oppressed us, there were, like Mr. Wesley was saying, there are many like people who were free. There's a whole history. Man, I got an archaeology friends telling me some was well, a long time ago about the history of all the black governors, like in South Carolina and everything. I mean, this is 1700s. They were running the shows, but this is once again it's just stories that we are not hearing. But we also sometimes I think we are like uh, we love to glorify our history uh, or and or to horrify it. We spend so much time talking about how horrible and atrocious it, it, it has been, but there's been some wonderful things that has been like taking place. So like I said, there was, there was free people and then there were enslaved people. There were free people who own uh, en enslaved, you know, folks and everything. And it's just like, it's complicated. So even now in the, in the, in the present that we live in, like, yeah, like it's really hard to celebrate the 4th of July when you know that this is, this is, this system continues to oppressors and they don't care how much of the, the nation we burn down, it will still find other ways to like be people into the ground. So 
Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think it, it really goes back. I like what Nye was saying. You know, we celebrating oppression and eating fake food. You know, uh, and, <laughs> and and you know, and those contradictions are getting even even deeper with the amount of fake food that's coming out now. You throw AI in the mix, we got a, we got some serious Ooh. problems on our hands in the future. Yeah, so where where do we go? And I, I like what Mr. Wesley's saying. I think we do have to make some connections and disconnections from the institution. And the and individuals and how we respond to these um these holidays. I used to call them hella days. I used to be so <laughs> so upset with the world. I never called the Fourth of July. I just called the Fourth of July because you know, like Tupac <laughs> said, "Why did you lie to me?" I couldn't find a trace of equality. You know, just. It's yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> oh my God, the fourth of July. Okay, on that note, yeah. we are going to take a quick break. I'm Christina Michelle. I'm your host for today. I'm here with Ed Wesley, Mahogany Magnetic, and Miss Nye McGee. We're talking about the fourth of July versus Juneteenth, and we'll be right back. Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. Welcome back to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm your host, Christina Michelle. I'm here with Mr. Ed Wesley, Miss Mahogany Magnetic, and Miss Nye McGee, and we're talking about Juneteenth versus the 4th of July. Or as Mahogany said, the 4th of July <laughs> before we went to break. So I have a, a question here. Um, for those who don't celebrate the 4th of July, um, and have so much disdain for our country, do you believe that they would be happier living elsewhere? And this is a question that was posed to me a little while ago by somebody who is moving to Ghana. And I thought it was very interesting. So what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, not celebrating our independence here and not feeling free here, um, do you think that those who feel that way would be happier living outside of our country? 
you know, this is nigh. Oprah Winfrey once said, if you're a girl born in America, you're already the luckiest girl in the world because women are so oppressed mm. in other regions around the world. So while I may have my criticisms of America, I would I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to flee to another nation. I don't want to flee to another country. <laughs> I don't want to immerse myself in some black think tank and some forest in uh, Uganda. <laughs> and God bless everybody who does that. Right. I understand we especially my people here in America. We're tired of the BS. We're tired of the um, ongoing systematic oppression. We're tired of being gaslit by politicians. Mm. Um, and right now we're in this age where it feels like though the people that we vote for, right, going all the way to the top to the Supreme Court, it almost feels like they want to roll back time, right? Mm. Um, so I think a lot of us who are interested in fleeing, you know, are, are primarily fueled by the fear of literally being put back on the plantation. Right. Um, the fear of literally walking out on Massa's Sundeck and serving him a glass of lemonade like the ancestors did. Mm. I think a lot of us envision that as part of our um, AI emerging future. Right. As they're pushing the humans out of various sectors, replacing them with machines. How will that impact marginalized groups, especially Black people, will we be further, further oppressed, um, shut out, not and given a seat at the table, right? Um, and so, when you think about all of that, you realize there, you you can you can understand the hesitation in many Black Americans in wanting to celebrate the Fourth of July because what does it mean? For many, it's just an opportunity to to. You know, on one hand, it's an opportunity to celebrate the evolution of Black independence, but it's, it's also more so it can be sombering and, and, and depressing because it's a reminder of the ongoing struggle for basic human rights and civil rights. So I get the need to want to flee, but I'm happy here. Got you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Mr. Wesley or Mahogany, any thoughts? Yes, before I uh, comment on that, I want to remind everyone that <clears throat> during the Revolutionary War, we had over 4,000 Black Americans that fought in that Revolutionary War. And the first American that was killed in the Revolutionary War was a Black man, Christopher Sato. So we was only, there was only about 13, I'm not correction, only about 2 million citizens uh, in those 13 colonies at the time. But 4,000 Black Americans fought in that war. As far as uh, going to live in another country, uh, I wouldn't mind doing that to experience living in Africa, but the reason would not be because I don't love America. And in terms of how we are feeling today, you must manifest your own destination. Mm. We can't rely and worry about what others are going to do. We have to manifest the destinies for this country. At this point in America, we're birthing a new nation. And those who have had privilege 
Now they are feeling oppressed because you can't exercise those privileges towards us. But we must also recognize that there's tremendous growth that we're that is taking place, and we are making that happen. And when there's birth, there's pain, but you got to push through it. Mm. And that's and that's where we are in America right now. And one of the most important things that we have to do is educate the public and don't let the lies take hold because the system and those that have wants to continue the, the white privilege, they push lies. They push lies and hate. And we must recognize that they even use the Bible to push their agenda with lies. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. Mahogany, I see you have your hand up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking about this this question of like leaving America. Uh, yeah, it's nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've always, we've been talking about the Back to African movement since the days of Martin Delaney, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then you know, then then you throw and in, take into consideration that once uh, the, the enslavement was over in 1865, then we get this era in American history called the Reconstruction which is all about what do we do with our Negroes? We, we have them here, like we need to get rid of them. So then they start, you know, this is this is movement here uh, to not only ship us there, but then like I said, yeah, Marcus Garvey coming around at the turn of the top of the century, to uh, 20th century too, you know, encouraging Af- Africans to go back to, to Africa. Uh, I think out of that, uh, Monrovia came along in Liberia. There was Africans who left America, went to Liberia um, to set up there. Many of them are, are still there. I, I used to have a girlfriend from Liberia. Good times. Um, <laughs> I digress. But I also <laughs> want to make sure that we, we think about like Ghana too, right? I know like since the uh, since the 90s, mid 90s, maybe late 90s, Ghana has been offering dual citizenship to Africans in America as and a pilot, a form of apology to um, selling us into ins- enslavement. And then there's um, there's this idea too that um, amongst like you know some of the revolutionaries and Pan Africanists that I grew up with and, and you know studied and learned from that mentored me that we can also take our skills elsewhere, not just to Africa, but to other countries that are labeled like second and third world. I mean, you can take a bachelor's degree and you go to some country and you can be, you know, the president or the mayor or whatever. You could take our knowledge and resources to build other places. So, I mean, there, there's that way of, of looking at it at too, but it doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, I'm sick and tired of America. Let me just go somewhere else because I don't want to be here. I I don't get it. Like sometimes I really don't I see all the stories about the um, immigrants like coming to America. Like goodness gracious, some of us are trying to get out of here. This place is not what it. Y'all watching too much TV. Mm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not really what the reality of it is. And it's like, oh, anyway. Well, can I say something to that note? Yeah. For the migrants coming here, it is it is a dream for them. It is the American dream. It's not for us anymore. The actual Americans, mm. <laughs> we're the ones suffering. We're the ones still, you know, look, I don't even know if Flint, Michigan still has ever got they clean don't. water. You see they what don't. I'm saying? They but don't. The, 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 you know, the foreigners, the migrants, they can all come here, get free housing, get free food, free education. In Chicago, they're trying to pass a bill. No, they have passed a law. Come top of the year, they can be they can become cops and arrest 
American citizens. Mm. So while the American dream seems dead to us, mm. others, outsiders flock here because of the promise of all the riches and all the gold and all of the free resources that they can get that we can't get. Mm. Think about that. So it sounds like a black flight in motion. You know how like in the uh, 50s and 60s with segregation, like white folks start moving out to the suburbs, like, and then like it just filled up with all these other folks. And, like, and maybe this is their time. Like, hey, we start moving to other places and let it fill up here. And then we just go somewhere and gentrify that land and be Americans there and raise all kinds of electricity and everything and, you know, spread cancer more about fake food. Yeah, we can surely take our Americanism around the globe. <laughs> they don't want to see that. Habits. No, we've learned we've learned some bad habits. We picked up some bad things in, in America and, you know, and not for nothing. This is a part of what makes these choices as individuals. You know, do I stay here or do I move? You know, like. Hmm. Some of us are just like stuck here. And the truth be told, can't get a ticket to Africa because you still got to pay Netflix bills. You got to still pay rent and keep the lights on and stuff. Dream about going to Africa elsewhere, but really like, oh man, can't make it over there this time. Maybe they should start having free boat rides back. There. I would do that. <laughs> I, can I just wish I had a TARDIS. I'm a Doctor Who fan. So if anybody watches Doctor Who... <laughs> I wish I had a TARDIS. That way I could just disappear and go. For those who don't know, it's a time machine. It could take you backwards and forwards. Yeah. Uh, I would just get in my time machine, my TARDIS time machine and never leave. <laughs> so, I mean, that's an interesting concept. Like, if you could get in, would you go forward or would you go back? I would go forward because I really want to see the plight of Black Americans in okay. 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Listen, yeah. our, our so-called... Economic scholars claim that come the year 2030, people, you can Google this if you don't believe me. I've been reading these articles for the past year. Our so-called geniuses, you know, our economic and financial financial geniuses, geniuses of the world claim that come 2030, Black Americans will have a zero income. <laughs> okay? Oh, my God. The Black American collective will have like nothing but pennies and dirt to show for their hard work in this country. I like to get to I like to travel forward in time to see how true that is, um, how we got there. Mm. And then let's go 50 years and 100 years forward from now to see if black Americans or black people in general still exist. Will That's we if we let somebody else take our destiny and, to, and, and you know, and control right, our right. destiny. Yeah, we have, that's if we do that. But we have we have a wonderful thing, you know, concepts that are, you know, that emerge and are popping out like Afrofuturism, which is the idea that we can envision our futures however we want them to be. You know, so we can envision a, a future where we're not piss poor. We can envision a future where we're not shooting and killing one another. We can envision futures. We can, you know. Oh my goodness! I, I hope I really hope that one thing that we do see is reparations for the for the enslavement of Africans in mm -hmm. America. If you heard of, the, um, I think it was in Cobra National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America has been you know looking forward to like, hey, we're gonna get this money, these resources, and we gonna build our own little nation and the whole nine. Maybe maybe we will, maybe we won't. But we you know we need to they need to pay us. Straight up. And maybe if they paid us, we might be more inclined to celebrate the 4th of July. But like, <laughs> you ain't paid me. Why am I going to go to your holiday? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you, know, kinda... you know, one, of the, one okay. of the things that's very, very, very important, Christina, 
and that is voting. Eight individuals own 50% of the wealth in the world. Mm. Eight individuals own 50% of the wealth in the world. Now, that comes because of policies. That comes from policies that allow them to take advantage of others through tax code. We have to educate our people. And when it comes to manifesting destiny, think back to 1857, when the Supreme Court ruled that we could not be citizens. And Black Americans were distraught, and they were just like, we had, there's no hope. Mm. They was feeling despair. But we had a great leader in Frederick Douglass, and Frederick Douglass says that time that in the darkest of the nights, the greatest stars will shine bright. And eight years later, we had our freedom. He and Harry Tubman did not buy into that concept that it was all over. They manifested the destiny of where we had to go. And we, as Black Americans, we are the soul of America at this particular time, according to Plato's definition of of, of a people and the, the culture of America, your gospel, blues, jazz, uh, hip hop is the culture accepted as America all over this, this world. We must manifest our destiny. And the man that we should keep in mind is Muhammad Ali at 13 years old said, I was the great, I'm the greatest. And they kept telling him, no, you ain't the greatest. He said, I'm the greatest. You only won. He said, his, his, his trainer said, you only won one fight. What are you talking about? <laughs> he said, I'm the greatest. He manifested his destiny. Black Americans has to manifest that destiny. And we manifested that destiny not with some thinking in terms of uh, taking advantage of others, we must forgive. Mm. We must forgive those that their ancestors participated in the enslavement. We must forgive them for that. And they should, uh, when the forgi forgiveness is, would be a part of uh, the reparation process. But we can't say, reparation and there's no forgiveness. And we as a people will be setting the standards for the world. Wow. I love that. It's a give and take. Um, Nye, what are your thoughts on that? Quickly, with all due respect, Mr. Wesley, I think Black Americans are the most forgiving people on the planet. We forgive everybody but ourselves and our own community. I don't think I don't think part of our my my opinion respectfully I don't think part of our um our evolution in this country um in, should entail forgiveness. I think the dynamic the power system needs to forgive me be more forgiving towards us. You see, we still remain at the bottom of the to totem pole pole on all aspects of this society. Laws are made to keep us down. <laughs> Industries were the last hired, the first fired. I don't know who else we would be forgiving. 
You know, yes, mahogany. Yeah, don't you think there's some good white folks out there? Like, yo, we gonna sing the era of our royce. They let me tell you something. Overcome, you know, and they want to do the right thing, but and they are attempting to do the right thing, but they can't because, like, hey, we want you know more black folks to be on this little program here. We want to give you some folks some money. We want to help with it, but like, eh, and we like often shutting them down. It's like. I don't know, right? It's like at some point in time, there is a uh, a level of forgiveness. Maybe that gets on the individual level. Maybe it's a case by case. Because there's some white folks I just can't forgive, period. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's a case by case basis. Well, are, haven't white people, especially white people in, in positions of power, haven't they, at least for the past 10, 20 years, 30 years, haven't those who are allies been investing in us in areas that they can, you know, supporting our HBCUs financially, you know, basketball players and millionaires, hip hop stars and millionaires, act black actresses, models. They're they're they've all made been able to excel in their respective industries, partly thanks to a hand up from a white guy, right? Listen, some people might say the best white man is the one signing the checks. I, I, I won't say that, but some might say that, right? So sure, Mahogany. Um, I also think that, you know, sure, is there room for, for forgiveness? Maybe just a little bit. I think history has has has, <laughs> has soured us, our people, our community, because we think about Rosewood. We think about mm. our ancestors and our and our relatives in the past who have tried to build up the communities, have had work, you know. Um, to support their families, um, build up educational systems, supermarkets, medical centers, per, you know, centers for protection, protecting women and children. And then the power system comes in and completely dismantles it. So part of dismantling our hard work as a community over decades since the end of slavery, Jim Crow, um, we I think a lot of us, our spirits have been dampered. It's like, well, why take that extra step and build up? and support and help if the opposition, not only within our own community, but outside is going to come in and crumble it down. So no, I don't think we need to be forgiving anyone. We need to be building up more allies to protect the work, to protect our work so that in 10, 20 years from now, we don't have people saying, hey, black people don't get along. Black people can um, build up. Uh, the, the, the dollar is quick to circulate in the black community and out of the black community, mm -hmm. right? We need to work together and forgive each other. Mm. We, there, we can forgive these outsiders until the earth crumbles. It's not going to stop Black oppression. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> I want to uh, say, Christine, that uh, when we do forgiveness, it's not for the other person. It's for us. Let me share this with you. The Jewish people received some redemption, <clears throat> but their attitude in Israel is a lot of them is taking on the same attitudes of their oppressor, unless you have forgiveness. You have to set a new course. If African-Americans are in charge of this country. Do we want to act the way that the oppressors act? No, we don't want to do that. We want to set a new standards for this country with different value system that they practiced. 
We don't want to be going into a church and praying and then going out and hanging someone on a cross. Mm. That's not that's not who we are. And that's not who I want to be. I, I hear Brother that. Wesley, Brother Wesley, didn't Obama give the Israelis oh, reparations? What are they angry about, sir? Re- rhetorical question. They, we don't even have reparations of Black Americans. Okay? So I, I, from what I understand, the Jews in Israel, Israel, not all, of course, I'm not going to say all, and I'm sure someone is going to email me on the back end and say, you got this wrong, but look it up. Somebody's administration, I want to say it was Obama, gave them reparations. What are they mad at the white man about? I'm done. I don't know. Well, I, I'm kind of like with Ed here. It's like going to think about the micro cosmic of it and what it means to forgive a person in my life who's done me wrong. If I if I don't, I'm consumed by, I can be consumed by anger. I can be consumed by hate and fear and all these other negative things that just, just grow in me. And then I become just like, the thing that I despise the most and I'm doing causing harm to other people. It's like hurt people, hurt people. Mm. So we yes. do need some form of, 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 uh, of recovery here. We need some type of forgiveness, you know, we need, and I'm, I'm working on a play now and the subtitle is reparations for my soul. You know what I'm saying? Can my soul be re- repaired? What, what work can I do on that. So I think, you know, we we have work to do as individuals. We have work to do collectively in forgiving ourselves for our participation in, in the enslavement process and forgiving others who've done that, but still hold their feet to the fire. You know, and still hold them accountable for what they did yes. wrong, just as we yes. hold yes. each other accountable in ourselves for what we did wrong in this process. So, yeah, I, you know, I say, and I'll say this really quickly, we need to be more, I can't stress enough, right, for the listeners, (laughs) I think we should be more forgiving of our community first and each other. Quick example, remember in Texas a couple years ago when that brother came home from his apartment, um, he was in in his apartment and the white cop, the white female cop entered the wrong apartment and shot that brother. shot him. Mm -hmm. Right? In his own home. Remember how forgiving the community was of that white woman? Yeah. They embraced her, hugged her. Damn near hell parades for that white woman, black people all across the world. But then let's flip the script and go to, oh, I don't know, Megan Thee Stallion, when she claimed she was shot by Mm. Tory Tory Lanez, how the community turned on her and didn't believe her, didn't believe a word she said, Mm. right? So I just use those, I just use those as two comparative examples to highlight that we need to start here within. Um, I I do feel feel like, and this is no disrespect because I am I am a believer in the most high God, I do feel like. Forgiveness is definitely a Christian virtue, right? There's nothing wrong with forgiveness, but I but I question when we as Black folks promote and 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 encourage members of our community to forgive, because again, in our land, I can't stress enough. I, apologies for beating a dead horse. We don't have as much forgiveness for ourselves and our communities and our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and sisters if they hurt us and wrong us, right, and steal from us and lie on us. But the strangers in the street, and most especially the non-melanated people, we have a ton of forgiveness for them. So I think bring bring all that forgiveness home first, mm. right? Heal the community so we can grow and protect each other and um, prosper together before we start pouring all that forgiveness on the outside. Because I still don't understand what we're forgiving these outsiders for. Um, let, let me let, let me let me say let me say this, uh, Christina. There are seven point. Over 7 billion 
people in this world. Each and every one of them have their own individual DNA. What that says to me that each and every person is special and those are God's creation. And we have to get away from this black and white stuff. We're all God's people. And we have to teach the, 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 the world and, the, the, and this nation how to go about celebrating thy neighbor and treat them like you would treat yourself. So I look at each and every individual as uh, as sacred, and I see some that doing wrong. You look at what's happening with uh, our former president, who his family was immigrants. He's the first uh, generation American. His wife's the immigrant, but look how he handles that. We don't want to be like that. You, 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 you see what I'm saying? I guess you got it. Yeah, we, I, I, I see. We all have collective head nods here. We see what you're saying. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. And I really appreciate all of the views uh, agreeing and opposing represented here today. We've only got a couple minutes left in this segment, and I wanted to close out with um, asking what freedom means to each of you. Freedom means to me the absence of the constraint of movement, speech, mm. and, and association. Beautiful. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. Uh, I'll go. Um, I think about what Nina Simone said, you know, freedom is no fear. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I was like, I was very fearful of of, of some people in in <laughs> out in Alaska, my kung fu teachers like no fear, just have no fear, and so like and I'm I'm like living my life that way now because I don't have no fear of the of the present, no fear of the the present, and and, and I'm not gonna fear the past either. It's horrific as it may be to look back on that stuff. So yeah, yeah, Nina Simone, no fear. Thank That's you. What I think to me, yeah. Um, for me, this is nice. Freedom, I think these days for me, most especially these days as I'm paying attention to what's going on in um, our political system, um, it's a gamut of things. Freedom to me means protected women and womanhood from becoming, you know, a subcategory in this misogynist, mis misogynistic nation. Freedom to me is continuing to have political freedom, freedom of thought, economic freedom, individual autonomy. Um, freedom is, you know having continuing to have access to any opportunity I want within reason, treated fairly under the law. Um, and then of course, lastly, I shouldn't say lastly, but most importantly, for me, freedom is li limited government. You know, not having a lot of government intervening in all of our lives, infringing upon our liberties. And then not to sound like a cliche, lastly, you know, just freedom is the pursuit of happiness, just mm -hmm. the ability to, to seek you know, um, the, the ability to seek personal fulfillment and prosperity through one's efforts and choice. Uh, that's my, that's what freedom means to me. Thank you. 
Beautiful. Thank you all. I appreciate you so much for being here, uh, having this conversation. I'm your host, Christina Michelle. We're going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we'll close out and we'll also share a little bit about Black history um, on today, many, many years ago. We'll be right back. Hanson Gress. Ka eat with the shoe ye with kashuk a ye tin. Jin kat ka ke jin talk and a kaya ha on a kuk gunish cheese. Welcome back to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm your host, Christina Michelle. Today in Black history, we celebrate the Atlanta Daily World, which was the first Black daily newspaper in modern times and founded by William Alexander Scott II, who was only 28 at the time. It was first published on August 3rd in 1928. It is the oldest Black newspaper and is located in Atlanta, Georgia. We are very appreciative of our guests for listening today. Um, I'm sorry, of, for our listeners for joining us today and to our guests, Miss Mahogany Magnetic, Mr. Ed Wesley and Miss Nye McGee. I just want to say thank you again for joining us. And uh, we are very, very appreciative of the conversation that we had and um, of you being open and honest and uh, educated and vulnerable and all of the things that make Culture Rich Conversations what it is. We appreciate you so much. And to our listeners, we thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to any feedback that you might have. Our email address is junobaa at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching BAA Juno. Today's show was produced by Natasha Boozer. And until next time, may your life be blessed and flow with ease. I'm Christina Michelle, and this is Culture Rich Conversations. Culture Rich Conversations is made possible by a grant from the Social Justice Fund Grant Program of the Alaska Community Foundation. Culture Rich Conversations on Juno Afternoon is sponsored in part by Mark Stofa and Sarah Hannon of the Alaska Wild Salmon Company, delivering fresh salmon to Juno homes since 2006. Learn more at goodsalmon.com or 907-321-4997. You're listening to Culture Rich. Culture Rich. Culture Rich.